better lock the doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. Because it's time for the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who's the color commentator for Mississippi State football and SEC baseball. So, yeah, he brings a lot to the game. And he's right here. Right now. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Well, hello there, Gomer. Surprise, surprise. Back again. Here we go. It's a Tuesday in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes. That's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. Sorry, I'm yelling here in the studio. and I I woke up Champ, the Champ the Wonder Schnauzer. I woke him up. Champ, it's okay, buddy. It's just me. Yeah, I woke him up. He'll go back to sleep. Yeah, that's who's here today in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Me and Champ. The 13-year-old Wonder Schnauzer. Bill is driving this bus. He's the bus driver. Bill's going to get us safely home in a couple hours from now. We've got a ways to go. But he's driving the bus. Keep us between the lines there. And I hope you'll be a part of the show today also on this Tuesday. Whatever you want to get into is cool with me. A couple of ways for you to be a part of the show. You can text or call. All right? So it's like grabbing a chair and having a seat here at the table with us. I'll even pour you a cup of coffee. Hot coffee from High Point Roasters in New Albany, Mississippi. Highpointroasters.com. Text me on the country pleasing text line. It's 885-ESPN. Got it? That's the number. It's a 601 number. It's a country pleasing sausage text line. 885-ESPN. If you the number itself, it's 885-3776. You can also call me. I get to hear your voice that way. I enjoy the phone calls. People get tired of just hearing my voice all the time, so I want to hear you. Call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. That's a 601. Also, it's 995-1059. That's the number to call. It's the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. You're a Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact. means Divinity's been doing it better longer than anyone else. If everything goes according to plan here in just a few minutes, We'll get a chance to talk some uh, basketball, women's basketball. I haven't yet myself had a chance to meet Sam Purcell, the new women's basketball coach at Mississippi State. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk to him on the phone. Uh, This is sort of, I guess, what, recruiting season? I don't really know the recruiting calendar that well, but, you know, he'll know it. I just know that, too, looking at the headlines, they've been busy recruiting a coaching staff um, to work along beside him there at state so kind of filling out the staff and then getting ready to hit the road and get ready for next year so we'll have a chance to jump into some of that coming up uh smoky texted the show he's got baseball on his brain and i know why smoky as in the mascot in knoxville yeah he texts me the big orange is going for 24 straight wins Today, let me tell you something, man. Has there has there been a hotter, more on fire baseball team than Tennessee that you can think of in recent memory? I mean, they're they're not only number one; they're number one by a long shot. <laughs> and you know, their resume is like wow. And the cool thing about that game today, Smokey, I mentioned this yesterday, but it was like really briefly mentioned it. But what I've seen is that Tennessee Tennessee is playing Tennessee Tech at a place called Smokies Stadium. It's in Kodak, Tennessee. Not Kodiak. No. Take the eye out. It's Kodak. 
Yeah, Kodak, Tennessee. I think it's up, up there, um, I don't know, what's uh, close to Sevierville, Sevier County, not too far from Gatlinburg, that area. I think it's a, a minor league stadium, but they're going to play each other with wooden bats. Isn't that cool? Going to have a college game tonight. It's going to count, and they're, both teams are going to use wooden bats tonight. And as Smokey says, they're going for 24 straight baseball wins. Got it. Smokey, thanks for the text. All right. Uh, as mentioned, I haven't had the good fortune yet to uh, myself meet Coach Sam Purcell, but we're going to meet him here on the radio right now and start the show. Little Hail State for you. On the Divinity phone line, Sam Purcell, the new head women's basketball coach at Mississippi State. Now he's on your radio. Coach Purcell, I do appreciate a little bit of time on a Tuesday, uh, a, a very late, from my you know, standpoint anyway, a late welcome to Mississippi. <laughs> Hope you're doing well. Oh, I'm doing great, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, glad to talk to you. Um, yeah, and, and I mentioned this just a minute ago when I was telling our listeners that you were going to stop by for a few minutes, that I, I'm not all that familiar with the calendar, the recruiting calendar, that kind of thing. I just know that looking at the headlines, it looks like the last month or so, you've been really busy uh, recruiting a coaching staff, a bunch of hires in the last few weeks. <laughs> I have, and if uh, if we were ranking it, I think I might be up there in the top five, uh, <laughs> you know, for top classes in the country. If we, if we were ranking coaching staff, um, I, I, I've won the lottery. I've won, I've hired experience. I've hired former head coaches, and most importantly, I've hired people that want to live and give everything they got to Mississippi State. So. You know, we could probably spend several minutes just kind of going down the roster, but, you know, like you say, I mean, it's very recent hires that became official on the 5th and then the 6th and then the 8th. So I want to uh, go back to um, you've got an assistant AD for women's basketball, part of the staff, Joy Williams. Tell me about uh, her and kind of what her role is in your program. Yeah, well, Joy's going to be everything for me because the landscape of recruiting and NCAA rules, as we're all aware, has changed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's more of a demand of head coaches to be out, to be seen. Um, so I had to have somebody that I knew was in a non-recruiting role okay. that would be in the office daily. Um, so to have somebody with her experience, a former head coach, that while I'm gone, if something may occur, that this ship can keep running at the level I need it to run. Um, so she's going to be so valuable, not only for me, um, but for our assistant coaches to lean on. She can mentor them because I'm all about growth for them, just like my players, because I want coaches who aspired one day to be head coaches. Mm. Um, that's the reason I'm here today, because Jeff Walls raised me that way at Louisville. Um, and then again, for the younger GAs, and uh, to have someone with her expertise is everything. Sam Purcell, new women's basketball coach, Mississippi State, on your radio. We're talking about your staff, Coach. So I think there might be some people uh, listening that might go, okay, well, what's the difference in terms of the role on the staff between, you know, you describe what Coach Williams is going to do as assistant AD for women's basketball, and then the recent announcement of uh, Jimmy Yu as director of operations. So for those that have never been a coach or on a staff, how are those two roles different? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the, the demand, right? I mean, the portal is real. Mm. Um, so the individual attention that is needed now for these young women, which they deserve, um, you need a staff at our level that can give them everything they got so we can make sure that their dreams are fulfilled. 
Um, and that's just not basketball. You know, joy will be huge for me on a basketball front uh, and academics to make sure uh, that we leave no box unchecked. Um, but Jimmy is going to come in. Jimmy, Jimmy's everybody's best friend. Okay. Jimmy's in charge of equipment. Jimmy's in charge of travel schedules, days off, uh, day-to-day uh, operations that, uh, that the players need to know uh, and that we can keep the players happy. Um, and then most importantly, he's my right-hand man that will manage my schedule um, so I can be as many places as I can because I promise you this, this fan base is electric. They are special, uh, and I plan on being out in the community, and Jimmy's going to help me with that. Sam Purcell on your radio. You mentioned the fan base, Coach, and and that's one thing I was kind of thinking about before you came on is, you you know, you don't look too many years back, maybe, you know, just four or five years ago at a time when State was filling their arena for home games in the regular season. Um, That they went and watched Morgan William hit the shot against UConn. That's still kind of at the top of everybody's list. You know, these recent memories where the fan base was like super plugged into the women's basketball program. How do you, I think you sort of just touched on it, but but how do you ignite that again? Is it simply a matter of winning? Well, obviously winning helps, right? Mm. But at the same time, I think being real, the people here are real. They are blue-collar, hardworking, passionate people. And that's what they got in a head coach. I'm going to value every handshake, every conversation, every email um, with everything I got. And that's what we did at Louisville. You know, at Louisville, we had a top five fan base because it was genuine, authentic relationship um, that we took no shortcut. And that's the same approach I'm going to have here. Um, And then I think also being honest and transparent, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people, I think, that go about, uh, wanting to say the right thing just because it'll check the box for that day. Um, but I'm going to be very honest of where we're at in the program, where I see the direction going. Um, and I want this fan base to be along the ride. Uh, and because if they are along the ride, then they're even going to be more energetic about where we're trying to go and be a part of that success. Coach Sam Purcell on your radio, uh, during your hiring, and I, and I heard, Coach Cohen, the athletics director. I still call him coach, by the way. A lot of us do. <laughs> but I heard him talking about, you know, your your recruiting acumen and your resume over the years and recruiting number one players and that kind of thing. Um, what has before I kind of get to what the message is now, what has been the key to your success recruiting number one players, top players to Louisville over the last ten years? I think it's the same thing when I was describing a fan. You know, um, it's not about me. It's about what can I do for you and then you knowing what kind of person that I am Mm. uh, and that I'm invested to make sure you reach your goals and your destination. Um, And by coming across that point instead of, you know, selling anything that, you know, I've done in the past but truly focusing on the present um, and what needs to be uh, done as of today and what we got to do to make it happen, I think sometimes separates me from others. Sure. Um, because I have no ego, um, and family is everything. I'm a girl dad. Um, there's a parent approach about me uh, that you can imagine um, that I go about in the way I coach and um, help these young ladies out because, uh, as you can imagine, there's 15 players possibly on a team, but you can't treat all 15 the same. Mm-hmm. Each young woman has individual needs that they need, and that's where that parent approach comes that I make sure – 
what's best for their child. And then ultimately, if I have what's best for their child, always and on the front end of my coaching, then success will, will happen because they're in a great spot mentally to give everything they can on and off the court. Since you took the job, um, what has been the reception on the recruiting trail for you? What's that been like? Well, I know a lot of people are nervous because now that the staff is out, everybody, I've been getting, you know, they're like, okay, coach, we knew you could be a good head coach. Now it's, okay, coach, you know, you hiring a serious staff. <laughs> Time to put where, up or shut up, right? Now it's like, yeah, now it's like, okay, coach, here come the players. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think it's a part of the process, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not all taught that, listen, you know, I was given a great opportunity and I have a great background, but now with the staff that I put in place that are serious, you know, the people who follow women's basketball, these are big-time names. Uh, and these are people who have great relationships that are going to open doors, uh, not only in a five-hour radius, but across the country, that it's going to allow us to play at the highest level. You touched on this a little bit earlier, but uh, I wanted to ask you, how do you um, uh, plan on and, and, and go about leveraging the transfer portal? That That's the million-dollar question for everybody, right? Mm. Um you know, here in a month, I hope you see it's going to work in my favor, um, that I have relationships. One thing I did at Louisville, we recruited a lot of young women. So a lot of these young ladies that are in the portal, I've actually already done home visits with my time at Louisville. Mm. So there's established a relationship. So now it's just getting the right ones here on campus that fit what we need based on the young ladies that I'm returning. And I have some really, really good young ladies that I'm really excited about. Um, so that's how I'm going to navigate it. Um, and then obviously when I get my theme, I'm like the other end of the spectrum. I've got to recruit my young women every day. So the ones that are right for us that I don't lose in the portal down the line. Um, and I think that goes for every coach in America, um, that it's just today's landscape and you got to navigate it. And those who can manage people and manage players are ultimately the ones who are going to sustain success for a long time. Sure. Sam Purcell, head women's basketball coach Mississippi State, on your radio right now to start us off on this Tuesday. You, you've mentioned Louisville a couple of times, kind of where you you know, really blossomed as a recruiter. Of course, great success on those teams. You were there for 10 years and the last six as an associate head coach. Was it hard to say goodbye? I mean, to a place you lived for a decade and raise your children where that's kind of home for them? Was that tough? Oh, no doubt, right? Because, I mean, I think if you ever do anything right, you're truly invested 100%. Um, and that's what the Mississippi State community is going to learn from me. I am two feet in right now, and you're going to get everything I got. I'm going to be invested in people, not only the people I coach, but the people who live in this community. Um, so, like you mentioned, I had two children born there. We raised our family. We had a lot of great moments, and we did a lot of great things. So, because of my, you know, commitment to that community and that program, um, it was hard. Um, but the best reward I ever got, um, it was actually like a, a baseball player who retired, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with a timeline that I get announced. And then for me to have a 30-day, <laughs> you know, journey as we went to that Final Four of people getting time to tell me goodbye and thank you and waving and yelling at me at the stands was everything. So it was really a cool experience. And they've even joked and, and started a website that when we play at Kentucky, they will be coming to our game, uh, but they'll be wearing Louisville gear uh, to you know upset those Kentucky fans, but they'll be supporting San Purcell and the Mississippi State Bulldogs. <laughs> it's so interesting to hear that. That's really cool. That's the first I had heard. And, and I guess 
for a lot of folks that maybe haven't lived in Kentucky that to really understand the Louisville Kentucky rivalry it's um it's it's super duper especially in basketball and and you know coach really like you're coming here to a state that has an in-state rival that the rivalry here is gnashing of teeth and heated throughout the year so you kind of know what it's like don't you Oh, I do. I do. And I think that's the beauty of sports, right? Yeah. That that gives those fans and you understand the climate and uh, the magnitude of that game. Um, but the one thing that I've always learned from Jeff Walls, and, and again, why he's one of the best coaches in the country, uh, there's a formula to success. You know, when those games occur, we're going to give everything I got. Uh, we're we're going to give everything we can for our fan base. But at the end of the day, um, we can't lose perspective of what we're trying to accomplish come March. We're not college football. One game cannot define your season. I got to make sure the highs and lows are maintained throughout and that when March comes, we're playing our best basketball at the right time of the year to do something special. What did you think of the venue, Humphrey Coliseum, when you got on campus and got to kind of see what home is going to be there? I thought it, it, it's the perfect size arena. Um, I can only imagine how loud this place can get. Um, the way the stands go up at just the right angle where it's not too steep but just right where you feel like they're literally on top of the court um, gets me excited because I'm a high-energy guy, and there's nothing uh, better than having a crowd that reflects the passion and, and the tempo that I want my team to play this year. What was that first meeting with uh, John Cohen like when the opportunity opened up and, and y'all began to talk? What were those meetings like? Well, it was awesome. Um, because you got an athletic director that's actually done this, right? Mm. Um, and then just the way he went about it um, and reaching out to me and, and talking, um, it, it was easy to relate and, and have you know hard conversations and also understand the vision of where this program can go and just you know both share ideas and it, it was everything. So between him and his wife, I, I can't say enough words. Um, and that's a major reason because, like you know, I, I left a really, really, really good situation at Louisville, and it had to be really, really good for my next move, and, and it's been everything and then some. And and lastly, Coach, like, what's this time of year like? You know, as a fan base and sometimes as media, we're super plugged into baseball. You know, there's spring football out there, too, and, you know, basketball just kind of ended. For you and your staff, this time of year here in April, what's day-to-day like what are you guys focusing on well i mean first for me it's you know like i mentioned at the beginning i'm inheriting some young women that i'm their fourth head coach so it's about trust it's about making sure their needs are met immediately because they've had turnover and it's only fair to them that i can hurry and do as much as i can um to make sure that we finish the semester correctly and right and that they feel comfortable about where we're going um and then from there it's just spreading the good news I've got the best job in the world. I get to get on the phone and tell people why Mississippi State's special and, and share a vision and a passion that I have that we can get this back on the national stage and who wants to come on board. Um, so there's a lot of people who would die for this opportunity that I'm getting, and I'm just thanking the good Lord that I get to you know, represent this university and, and try to bring this program back. It's really cool to get a chance to uh, talk to you and, and kind of put a voice with the the name, and I look forward to meeting you in person soon, maybe at a baseball game, but maybe over there at Humphrey Coliseum. Coach, thanks so much, and uh, welcome to Mississippi. Hey, I appreciate this time, and, and Hell State. Hell State, back at you. Thank you very much. That's Sam Purcell, head women's basketball coach. 
Mississippi State hitting the ground. And as I mentioned, y'all, that if you tuned in in the middle of that, towards uh, the beginning of the interview, I kind of touched on the fact that, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of recruiting is going on and has been going on, continues to go on. You heard during the course of the interview that Coach Purcell and his staff are, um, you know, they intend to leverage the transfer portal. Everybody does. Everybody is. It's just, it's as much a part of recruiting now. And it's not an afterthought. It's a forethought for everybody. Okay, but when you look at the headlines, over the last two weeks, so, well, really the entire coaching staff, the majority of the coaching staff has become official just in the last few days. I mean, we're sitting here right now. It's the 12th. Uh, Yesterday is, even though you kind of heard about it coming down the pipe prior to yesterday, yesterday was the day it became official that Jimmy Yu was added to the staff as director of operations. So you heard him describe his job as more day-to-day inside the program. About a week before that, it was a sort of a, a run of hires to the staff. Uh, Gabe Lazo added the staff, at well, at the end of March, but then a week after that, early April, about a week ago, uh, Joy Williams jumps onto the staff as assistant AD for women's basketball, and so she's... Maybe some on court, but pretty much that's a recruiting t- and and you know get after it, build the program type of role. Lazo on the staff as an assistant. Uh, Corey Irvin onto the staff also a week ago, just a few days ago added Muriel Page as an assistant coach. So the entire coaching staff has filled out and come together on court and off court pretty much over the last two weeks. Now they're going to hit the road recruiting and see if they can fill that roster out, you know, and uh, get ready for next year so they can make a splash out of the gates. Stick around. Another guy who's not bald. He's just taller than his hair is. Nice hair! It's a Matt Wyatt Show. Ba-ba-ba-ba! Back! With you, I'm Matt. In the Bureau of the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau Insurance, go! With a home team, they are your home team. A man from Brandon, Mississippi, is your new record holder. (laughs) Now, this is a story right here. By the way, how's that for a tease? A man from Brandon is your new record holder. How about this? I just saw it. That's a big, that may be the biggest and ugliest catfish I've ever looked at right there. (laughs) It's a new state record. Here's the details. First of all, you can text me on the country, please, and text line. It's 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN or 885-3776. Call me on the Divini phone, 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. I bet you some of y'all know this guy. Bill, listen to this. Everybody's going, Matt, would you just give us the details? All right, here's the story. A gargantuan blue catfish caught on the lower Mississippi River on April the 7th has shattered the Mississippi rod and reel state record for that species, blue cat. 
Eugene Cronley. Now, that's the way I'm seeing it spelled on over at Outdoor Life. Yeah, it is Cronley. That's according to the Natchez Democrat. I'll tell you why they're reporting on it. Eugene Cronley of Brandon caught the fish in the Mississippi River north of Baton Rouge, well north of Baton Rouge near Natchez, Mississippi. Uh, Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks announced the cat's record weight of 131 pounds. They officially certified it yesterday. According to the state, Cronley's blue catfish eclipses the previous rod and reel record of 95 pounds. The... Bill, you remember that day we, I spent like half an hour just reading through all the state record fish, uh-huh. <laughs> all the different species? Well, this is an update. I think this fish was in that river for a long time. I mean, that's hey, that's my question. To get to be that big? Seriously, how long, how old did the thing have to be yeah. to, to reach 130, what was it, 131? 131 pounds. He didn't throw it back either. He kept it, right? No. <laughs> I mean, you worked that hard to get him in the boat. Why throw him yeah, back? He, Okay, so the previous record was 95 pounds in the state of Mississippi for a blue cat. It was caught by Dakota Henson in 2009. Um, Okay, it's also bigger than the blue catfish caught by any means, okay, because you have a rod and reel record, and I guess you have, what, maybe a trot line record, which is not rod and reel. That'd be some other... So, so the state record blue catfish caught by any means weighed only, well, I say only, weighed 101 pounds, and it was caught by two guys back in 1997. I wish this guy would give us a call. He lives here in Brandon. He's in Brandon. You hey, ought to us, see. Give us a call and they explain to us what you did, what, what you used to catch it. And all that kind of stuff. Hey, if some of y'all are listening know Eugene, tell him we're talking about it. Yeah, we want him to call us. On uh, the largest sports station uh, in in all of Mississippi, right here. We're we we worldwide. We universal. Eugene Cronley of Brandon. What'd you catch him on? Oh, I got the info right here. Here it is. One hundred thirty one pounds. This thing is one hundred and thirty one pounds. He was using a skipjack herring for catfish bait. And it took 40 minutes to land him. <laughs> I bet it took 40 minutes to land that fish. He used heavy tackle, revolving spool reel. Okay, revolving spool. So that would be, when you say revolving, it's like a spinning rod, right? And Hey, y'all. We're not talking about a bait cast reel. We're talking about a spinning reel, right? That's what they mean by revolving spool. Or am I wrong? Yeah, that's got to be it. And was he in a boat or was he on the bank? They got a lot of info for this story. Okay, he was using skipjack herring for bait. Took him 40 minutes to land it. Heavy tackle, revolving spool reel, a stout bank sinker to get it down deep in the river. In a photo posted to the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks Facebook page, the massive catfish is pictured on the tailgate of a full-size pickup truck covering it Almost completely. That's what I'm talking about. Have you seen the pictures yet, Bill? No, I have not. If you just Google it, you'll see it. 
Okay, his 131-pounder, Cronley caught this thing from the same Mississippi River area where the previous record 95-pounder was caught and the 101-pounder was caught. The IFG, the IGFA, what does that stand for? IGFA, all-tackle blue catfish record, is 143 pounds. So the biggest one ever caught anywhere, recorded, according whatever, IGFA, what could that stand for? International, I don't know. I bet the F stands for fishing in there. But the biggest one is 143. His is 131. It's the new Mississippi record. The overall record nationwide was 143 pounds, like I mentioned, caught in Virginia in 2011. This thing, so here's the thing about that. You got state records, right? Guess what? There's bigger ones in there. Bill, if in the same little area, well, I say little, but the same area of the Mississippi River close to Natchez is where the 95-pounder came from, the 101-pounder came from, and now 131-pounder came from. Guess what? There's a bigger one in there. That's just the way that works. He didn't catch the biggest one. Now, I found the picture of that is a monster. Can you believe the way that? It Look looks at, like a dinosaur. Yeah, it does. Look at the size of the head on that thing. The head, and I just don't know how to <laughs> describe it. It's almost as tall as he is, but he's got it hanging there on that uh, wing. End. Okay, there's one picture here. And by the way, yes, they are grinning from ear to ear. All these guys, including, <laughs> including Mr. Cronley. Every picture you see, he's grinning. Okay, so there's some. There's a good old boy here in one of these pictures who is a biggin'. Okay, mm. and I don't know if he works there, if he knows him, if he helps him a friend. I just don't know, but this is a biggin'. He's hefty. This is a hefty boy right here with red hair and a big red beard. He kind of looks like Jeremiah Johnson from the movie. And he's a big old boy. And let me tell you something. He's, he's trying to pick this catfish up by the mouth out of the Ain't bed of that pickup truck. Ain't gonna happen. It's as big as he is. <laughs> I mean, it just ma it makes his hands and his arms and his torso look tiny. I don't know how to the measurements here. What forty-one inch girth and fifty-six point six inches in length. <laughs> Come oh. on now. Um, <clears throat> did you say girth? Okay, okay. Listen, girth. when yeah, you said forty-one inch girth, <laughs> is what they say. Well, here's the thing about it. when you say forty-one inch girth, <laughs> I can't help but think about Brian Regan, <laughs> the comedian, the the great stand-up comedian. He's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Brian Regan. He is absolutely hilarious. Hilarious. He's the one that did the thing about, hey, the other guys are giving you a lot of credit. You know, the winners, the winners, the winning team is giving you <laughs> a lot of credit. A lot of credit. <laughs> That's him. That's Brian Regan. Well, he does this one routine where he says he's trying to talk to, like, I think it's UPS he's trying to talk to on the phone to find out how much it would cost for him to ship a certain package. And he goes, well, we're going to need to know the weight and the girth. And his response is, well, I don't know what the weight is, and I don't know what girth means. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's this whole thing. <clears throat> yeah. Girth is what? They measure him around? They wrap yeah, it around, around. his... Yeah. 
like if they were measuring your girth for like a new tuxedo, they, they would they would wrap the the, around the waist. tape around your waist. This has got a big old. This fish got a big old belly on it. That's for sure. I mean, forty-one inches, though, Bill. Let's be honest, man. If you, a grown man, were to hug your arms around something, all the way around, and your fingers and hands meet on the other side, and you're hugging it, that's about forty-one inches. Yeah, it's close. Yeah. If you were to hug this thing, it would be all you and others could do to get your arms all the way around the girth of this fish. Is what we're saying. Hogjow texted us and said, blue catfish live about 20 years. A blue cat is an eating machine, and yes, they lit, love skipjacks. I've caught several in the 35 to 40-pound range, and they were huge. One over 100 pounds is gigantic. It, I'm just saying it looks like a dinosaur. But here's the thing, Hogjow. If it weighs 131 pounds, is it only 20 years old or so? Jackson Mailman said, if he had docked, in Louisiana, would it be a Louisiana record or not, and not a Mississippi record? My understanding, Jackson Mailman, is that it totally depends where in the river he caught it, not to do with where he put in or where he had it weighed. They're saying to you, hey, where were you when you caught this thing? Where on the river? About how many miles up the river? You know, that sort of thing. Thibodeau says... <laughs> The IG, he, his, his, he says IGFA stands for International Gigantomonster Fishing Association. <laughs> That's a pretty good guess I right there. I think you made that up. I think you did, but. But it's pretty good, though. Yeah. Brian Regan said to measure it in girth units. <laughs> it's about four girth <laughs> units. <laughs> oh, Regan, he's hilarious, man. New record. Hats off to you. Stick around. The Mississippi State Radio Analyst. And he's on your radio right now. Back with you. I'm Matt. Real C texted me on the Country Pleasing text line. He's our he's our um, resident fishing expert here among our listeners. Real C. I halfway mean that. He texts the show, Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. Make your tongue slap your hat off. I got that package of uh, black pepper and cheddar out of the freezer. Thought it started. I've been eating that the last few days. Real C says, I bet that big old blue catfish tastes like an old truck tire. <laughs> I wouldn't want nothing to do with that slimy sucker. Yeah, you would. Now, I'm, if you catch it, you're in the state record book. You may hold it forever for all you know. Mount it, put it on the wall. You don't have to eat it. One like that serves great purpose. I mean, I'm not. Better have a big wall. You're going to need a great taxidermist, right? And he's going to need help. That's the way that works. By the way, I found it. You're talking about that fish had a 41 inch girth. Here's what, here's Brian Regan talking about, call, talking to the UPS guy on the phone. So I called back, we need the weight and the girth. Okay, I don't know what the weight is, and um, I don't know what girth means. <laughs> so now what's the procedure? So 
So this guy talks to me like I'm four years old. Well, do you have a bathroom scale? Uh, yeah, but if I put the box on a scale, it's gonna cover up the numbers! <laughs> what, do I take them off really quick? <laughs> ah, zero! I'm not fast enough! <laughs> That dude is nuts. <clears throat> and you know, that's Brian Regan. You know, he's got a brother named Dennis Regan who's not nearly as famous, but is just about as funny a stand-up comedian as he is. Good stuff. I wonder how many people have actually tried that with a bathroom scale. <laughs> well, and he goes into this whole routine of how, like, okay, so he's going to hold the box. He's going to weigh himself on the scale. <laughs> Then he's going to weigh himself holding the box. <laughs> okay? And adjust. And, and once he gets a total, then he will subtract his weight, and he'll know how much the box weighs. <laughs> Logic. That's great. That's great stuff. But Real C, I mean, come on now. Real C just texted me and says... Basically, that this is a state record blue catfish. It, caught, it took this man 40 minutes to get him in a boat. And it's texted me to basically say that he wouldn't want anything to do with it. I mean, it, I'm it, real it comes across as just like it's, I mean, frankly, just jealousy. <laughs> He's just jealous. <laughs> it may not be good eating, but he'd want to catch it, I'll bet you. You know good and well. Let me put it this way. If Real C was fishing and intentionally or unintentionally hung into this thing, like hooked this thing, got him to bite, he wouldn't just cut his line and turn him loose. And he admits it. He says, no, I'd catch it. I just wouldn't eat it. Okay, I'm with you on that. With you on that. <clears throat> and, and for another day, a really slow day, Real C, we'll go over something I learned here this past week. Is that there's, you know, some people have catfish ponds or whatever, and they feed the fish, they have these feeders. And apparently, as I'm told, there's certain types of food. Like you feed the catfish, and after a while, you catch one and you eat it, and the fish tastes just like the catfish food. And that's not, not what you want. <laughs> we'll get into that one day. Over to the phone line, Divini Equipment Phone, Divini Equipment Madison, and in Jackson, you're. Kubota dealer. Mad Tiger on line one. What's up, Mad Tiger? Matt. Yes, sir. And to your listeners, this is not a fish tale. This is a fish story. Okay. All right. There, there is a difference. There is a difference. There is a difference. But I, I used to fish in this 12-acre lake, and I fished in it for about 15 years. But the last Two years I fished in this lake, I was stalked by some huge monster fish, and and it was gray. All I could see was gray. You know how you feel like somebody's just watching you, you know, just staring at you? I'm yeah. fishing. I'm by, I'm by myself. All right, I'm listening. And I turn around. And here's this humongous fish lurking behind me about 10 yards. He's watching you. And as I turned around, he submerged. <laughs> it looked like it took him 
It looked like it took him seven seconds to submerge under the water. <laughs> I don't so, know. So I'm, I'm, I, this is great. So I tell my brother, I tell my, I tell my brother mm-hmm. they, all, they all told me I came up with a fish tail. Mm-hmm. Well, I had someone else with me one day, and we were brim fishing, and it was this huge tree that the storm had knocked in the water. How about he had the whole tree shaking? I mean, he literally had the tree shaking. <laughs> I saw this fish on three different occasions. I had a guy with me one other time, and we saw him uh, getting the little bass fingerings where they had where they had bedded up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I saw this fish on three different occasions. I have a twelve foot boat. Okay. I promise you, this fish was as long as that boat. <laughs> it's his destiny to catch that fish. You know, right? <laughs> no, it's not. No, no, it's not. <laughs> uh, he, he's gonna, he's gonna catch this rifle bullet, but I no longer fish in that lake. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> so are we certain that it wasn't an alligator under the water that looked like a fish? Are we it certain? Was definitely not, it was definitely not an alligator. Okay. Is and so then it's I like live in, I live in I live in Yazoo City. This was up on a hill. If it was an alligator, uh-huh. I mean I would have seen the ruffles on his back. Yeah. This was a smooth skinned fish and he was gray and his head looked like he was eighteen to twenty inches wide. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, it's probably a catfish. I guess it could be a giant, like, carp or something in that lake. Um, they are carps, but this wasn't a carp. This was not a carp. Okay, so it wasn't a carp. A, a, carp, a carp is a visionary, and you don't eat humans and other fish. You know, I couldn't help. One of the reasons I got tickled, too, Mad Tiger, is I was thinking about that old joke that people pass around. Um, it's an old pool room joke about the... Uh, the you know this guy had the pet monkey and he was wondering if he could he kept sizing things up you know before he'd eat it and anyway i just was thinking about this fish and it's like he was i could picture this big fish looking at you you said stalking you and deciding okay can i eat him or not can i swallow this or is it too exactly. big <laughs> exactly <laughs> well, was, from that point on, I would always, always have my rifle, but I started carrying the rifle in the boat and stopped going by myself. Good night. I wonder if it's like a big alligator gar, but it's hard to imagine a big one being in a 12-acre a lake. Um, Correct. Correct. You know, you normally see big alligator gar on a river, and they got... But I had spoken... I had spoken with a guy that buffalo fishes, and he told me he could set up a net, you know, to try and entrap it. But if he didn't, if he didn't attack his rope to some huge two tree, yeah, I, I truly don't believe he would have caught it. <laughs> I think next time you go, you make sure you got a camera of some kind with you. Take we need. To I, take don't, I don't. I don't. I don't fish in that lake anymore. The man, the man that owned the lake sold it. Uh, so uh, and I don't know the new owners. Mm-hmm. But, but that's a true story, guys. It really is. Now, if you want to hear a, a fish tale, I'll tell you a quick one. All right. My oldest brother say he roped a bass, and I was with him, 
and he tried to, he was telling the tale to someone else and then tried to get me to confirm it. <laughs> well, you know how aggressive a bass is? He hit the court instead of the hook <laughs> and it wrapped around him and hooked into him. <laughs> and he claimed he broke the bass. <laughs> <laughs> he says he bit the cork instead of the hook, huh? Right. Yeah. He, he attacked the cork instead of the hook. Well. So with the man and the hook, it just... And hooked in him. Look, I will say this, okay? It is possible. Now, I'm not confirming one or the other, but I will say it is possible because you're right. Anything that, that wiggles just right or makes a little splash on top of the water, a bass is liable to eat it. I, I watched a video of a guy uh, who, who, this is a guy on YouTube who makes these really nice and beautiful and high-end and expensive handmade lures and stuff. And he makes them right there in his garage. Well, just for a joke one day, he thought, you know what? Just to do a thing, I'm going to take a little block of wood. I'm not going to paint it. I'm not going to do anything to it. Just a little rectangular block of wood. I'm going to put two treble hooks and an, and an eye on it where I can tie my line to it. He threw out a stick of wood with hooks in it. And it flowed on top of the water. And he worked it around like a top water. And sure enough, a bass came up and hit it. He caught one on it. Sure it is. So they'll hit just about anything. So, I mean, I guess it's possible. But I actually had it to happen to me, but I didn't rub it, Matt. Yeah. Yeah. You did catch it. Uh, I'll tell you. And some, you know, this time of year, Mad Tiger, you'll hear people tell stories of their brim fishing and they catch a brim and they're actually reeling the brim in as the brim's fighting and stuff. And out of nowhere, a big bass will come along and boom, eat the whole brim and everything. And you'll catch the bass as if you were using the brim as bait that you were trying to catch in the first place. That actually happened to me before. Uh, it's You'll hear those stories. I can't call the state park, but it's down uh, south of Hattiesburg. They had one on the wall where a uh, bass had attacked the brim, and uh, he had this brim in his mouth, you know, and he opened his fins up, and he got caught. Uh-huh. But they actually had one mounted on the wall at the state park down below uh, Hattiesburg. How about that? Hey, appreciate the call and the story, Mad Tiger. Thank you. He was himself being fish stalked. Fish stories. That's a big fish. He's looking at the boat going, could I eat that? Stick around.